You are listening to Sejura Decoding Law Podcast. I am Genevieve Dubois, the Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer of Sejura. And I am Phyllis Schuster, the Chief Team Intelligence Officer of Sejura. And, and we, we are, are lawyers. Together, we will decode the secrets of legal services so that you, as a business owner, know how to use legal services to your advantage. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Genevieve Dubois. Yes, we are lawyers, but just like you, we are also business owners. I'm the CMIO, that is Chief Marketing Innovation Officer of Sejura. At Sejura, our job is really the architect and general contractor of legal services for businesses. We have a lot of clients that really struggling with understanding what lawyers do and really manage the whole legal process. And we're very sympathetic. Phyllis and I are both lawyers, so we understand the struggle. And that's why we are at Sejura. And our job is to make it as easy as possible for everybody, including this podcast. Hi, Phyllis. Hi, Genev. I'm Phyllis Schuster. I'm the Chief Team Intelligence Officer and the Executive Legal Managing Director of Sejura Group. As Genev has said, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a client. And I've been a client of other lawyers and law firms. So I do get to see both sides of where lawyers are coming from and where the clients are coming from and where the gaps are. So one of our jobs as part of the podcast is to try to see how we can bridge that gap between clients and lawyers and have a greater understanding for each other. Actually, lawyers would say, what don't lawyers do? But that is where the gap is because... From the client's perspective, clients like, what do lawyers do? You know, rather than give me a few papers, I really don't understand what they do. From lawyers' perspective, when we are involved in transactions or litigation, uh, lawyers feel like they do everything for their clients. And that is a huge gap. And that is why we do this podcast. So yes, we are focusing on talking about what do lawyers actually do. So actually, if you recall our last episode um, and topic that we talked about the values that lawyers bring to the table, right, for the clients, and there are six different levels of values. And if you want to listen to kind of details of those values, it's in the last episode. But really, their roles of lawyers that what they do, it correlates with the value that they bring to the clients. From Sejur's perspective, there are five roles that we can categorize that lawyers actually do. And a lot of time, one lawyer, they do almost all five roles. And sometimes a bigger law firm, they'll have different people doing different tasks and play different roles. So I think we just dive into um, what are each of those roles are and as well as Um, what each of those roles that the lawyers would do. What do you think, Phyllis? I think that's a great place to start. Um, I think we also, as we talk about it, we also have to remind um, clients that there are different types of lawyers and therefore not every lawyer plays every one of these roles. So the first, we look at three layers and also um, each of those roles kind of fit into each of those layers. So the first layers and the first role is what a lot of clients think lawyers do. We call that a role of doers. 
people who actually make things happen, actually prepare documents, actually executing legal tasks. For example, if there's a closing, they make sure all the tasks that need to happen, happen for closing. And if there are documents to prepare, they will prepare all the documents. If um, there are things to be filed to court, they make sure everything is prepared to filed. And this is the role that a lot of clients in their mind when they say, oh, all lawyers do give me some papers. That's the very one of the five roles that they do, which we call them doers. So Phyllis, do you want to add anything on that? Phyllis, what do you think that, you know, from your perspective, do you see that a lot of clients feel like that's what lawyers do? They do. And I also think they think uh, all we do is provide them with a form and we just deliver that form, take it off a shelf, put it into the computer, so to speak, and spit it back out to them. They see that as a very simplified task. And there's really, for many lawyers and most lawyers, what it goes into completing that task is a lot more than just filling in a few blanks. So now it brings us to the second role, actually, they do. And some clients understand, you know, it's not obvious to them. And that's what we call specialists. Most all attorneys are specialists. They are experts in one area of law. For example, if you want to do a real estate transaction, you go to real estate attorneys, and that is a specialist. And as you can see, we're separating out doers and specialists because a lawyer who is a real estate attorney who has knowledge into the law of real estate and how to carry out from beginning to the end, that lawyer can also have professional legal professions who are doing the task for them, right? They don't have to do all the documents. They don't have to do all the closings. But the specialist is a knowledge base is what they understand, what they get trained in that area. A lot of times that, you know, in a transaction or litigation or anything, you need a tax specialist who help you to understand the implication of tax of the money you collected, the money you received. We have to bring in a tax specialist. So again, if you can think, start thinking about your lawyer's roles are different, now you have a lot of more flexibility. For specialists, Genev, we have to also remember that some of those specialists had to go and get even additional education and have greater experience in that particular specialty. Tax is a good example where there many tax specialists have gone on for even a, a greater degree of education uh, and got a master's in tax law after even after going to law school and completing law school, they go and have a few more years. So when you're in a business structuring and you're calling upon tax advice or you're in real estate structuring, that lawyer is helpful because they have specialized in all the ins and outs on how we can best help our clients utilize the tax laws to their advantage, which always means the goal to maximize the advantages is to minimize the tax. So we're calling that specialist so that our ultimate clients are minimizing how much tax they have to pay in a lawful manner. So it's important for our clients to understand the differences between the role of being a specialist and the role of doer. 
The reason being, just because somebody produced a document for you, now um, for, let's say you have a lease that the, the attorney gives it to you. Now you get into an, a provision or an area that you need to understand tax. You as a client, now you can proactively ask, are you a tax specialist? If you're not, should we involve a tax specialist? Now, when you do that, you also need to consciously understand tax specialists will charge at a different rate, right? You have to pay it differently. At the end of the day, a lot of clients think, if I go to an attorney, my friend, who should know everything? Well, they're just like doctors. Doctors, you know, have different specialties. Lawyers, even more niche They have very niche areas. And lawyers, some lawyers know a little bit of a lot of things can help you bring in the right people. But really, there are areas that um, lawyers very, very specialize in. And the next role that lawyers play is that of an influencer, meaning how you interact with external people, not necessarily thinking of influencer in a social media sense. So, Geneva, you want to explain that? Yeah. So a lot of times lawyers like to use this word, say, I represent you. No other, I think, professions would use that word, I represent you. Because one of the very important roles that the lawyers do is representing you in the marketplace, representing you, advocating for you, negotiating with the other side. So they're representing you. We call them an influencer. They're not just representing you. They're representing you to influence the other side to do the things that's good for you or what you want. So it's to achieve your objectives. So the lawyer playing that role got to have certain personalities. They got to know how to interact with the other side. And that comes in with whether the other side is a strong, who represent them. Right. Think about if you go to litigations that go in war, the lawyer who represents you is like a general and who is representing you against the other side. If you are in a transaction, you don't need that kind of strong personality. Now you need to think about, you know, what lawyers representing you do what. Now, again, the influencer role of an attorney doesn't have to be doers. And most of them are not doers. Just because somebody can produce a beautiful document for you, they might be awful at representing you as an influencer. Just because somebody can produce a beautiful document for you, those are doers. Doesn't mean they have the personality or the experience to represent you being an influencer to advocate for you in the marketplace. And a lot of times, those two roles should play by different people. Are most influencer specialists? Most of them are. Like I said, lawyers being trained based on specialized areas. And those specialists could be your influencers, but not all specialists could be influencers. Just because somebody can educate you and give you really good information does not mean they're good influencers. So as you can see now, different roles, when you start breaking roles apart of lawyers play, now you can analyze what lawyers should do what for you. Phyllis, do you want to add anything? From my own experience, I've seen that many people are very good at document preparation, Genev, but they aren't necessarily the best negotiator for the client. And so sometimes it's like you bring in, if you're 
if you're blessed to have some good partners who do a great job for you, the lawyer can say, hey, can you go in and negotiate this for me? Or you're a great advocate or you have a good connection over here. Could you be the advocate for this client? So I absolutely see how having someone else sometimes works as an influencer, but sometimes if, you know, the same lawyer could wear both hats at the same time because they're good at both jobs. So as a juror, what we do is exactly what we're talking about, right? When a client comes to us and go, I need this to be done. We analyze what, what are the tasks, legal tasks. We analyze what are the invisible things that client don't think about that comes into achieving their objective. Then we analyze what roles that we need the lawyers to play to achieve those tasks and achieve those objectives. Then we analyze what lawyers should play each of those roles. And sometimes we, we might decide one lawyers can play all of them. There's something very simple. And, and the lawyers himself or herself have those backgrounds. Sometimes we might decide to bring in different lawyers for different purposes. And one more thing about influencers in negotiations, sometimes in the beginning, you have an influencer role that started the negotiation. If we see that negotiation go down the wrong path, and not because of fault of attorney, it's just that sometimes personality doesn't work out, we will bring in another influencer, right? That influencer, that attorney's role is to take over a negotiation, get negotiation done. A lot of times while they're doing negotiation, documents to be redrafted. We have a different attorney or different doers go to draft the documents. And that's also involving in analyzing the pricing, um, you know, to fit in the budget. So now you can see like why this advantage of understanding the roles of attorneys. So Junev, with all those different roles, how is all of that organized? Do we have some concept of a project manager involved? How does that work? Yep. So that is really the next role that a lot of attorneys play is it being project manager. And that is a role that I think a lot of clients don't think about is necessary in the legal world. And clients don't really think about wanting to pay for lawyers have to do being a project manager. When we say project manager, it's not like managing, you know, client's business or the entire transaction from a business perspective. They're managing it from the legal perspective. There's a lot, a lot of moving pieces to accomplish a legal task or a legal objectives of clients. And once those pieces are put together, somebody has to move it forward. And a lot of times lawyers are the one that because they understand the intricacy of it, if they are the only one doing their job, they're managing themselves. Now, if they start separating out the roles to delegate it to different people, for example, the doers, they have paralegals, they have legal professionals do certain things. Once other roles and other professions start involving in achieving their objectives, then they themselves have to play the role of project manager to chase after people, making sure people meet their deadlines, making sure people's quality of work that combines together is good for the client. That's a project manager role. And the reason that it's important um, as a client, you have to understand, if they don't manage your legal process correctly, it doesn't matter how beautiful your document is. It doesn't matter how great a special it is. It's like cooking. 
you can have the best, you know, um, ingredients, but if the ingredients doesn't come together, it won't become a cake. So it, the project manager role is extremely, extremely important. And when you talk to your attorney, you should ask if it's a very complex process, you should ask who is going to be the one that be the project manager on the legal side. And the lawyers were very surprised you asked that. So when we talk about project managers, does does the project manager have to be a lawyer that comes from a major law firm charging $1,000 to $2,000 per hour? Or can that be done much more efficiently with lawyers who are well-qualified, who are well-trained, who are with smaller firms or independent firms and who are very, very sophisticated and can, and organized because that's really important when you're a project manager. And they are task oriented to make sure that every task has a beginning, a middle and gets completed. And that kind of person is the type of person that makes a good project manager. And it is not necessarily correlated to how much that person charges per hour. Correct. And a lot of times, I think, um, to reduce your cost is to have a professional who understands how to manage legal processes, who's not charging at $1,000, $2,000 per hour. And that's how you actually reduce your legal cost. Because those tasks take a lot of time and, and it's inefficient for a partner in a big firm to do it. So at Sejura, we actually have project managers who actually manage the whole process, for example, real estate from beginning to the end of closing. Um, from the beginning that to a point that clients come in the door and say, well, I want to buy the building. And the project manager were already involved in it and to manage the whole process. If you think about a corporate world, a lot of in-house counsel, actually, they kind of play that role as a project manager from a legal perspective. They manage all the outside law firms that they give specific tasks to. And if you don't have an in-house counsel, then it's okay. You know, for example, you can have a law firm to manage it for you, but you got to ask those questions. As Sejuro, as our job, we manage and bring everything together. With all of what we've just talked about with the different levels that and the roles that lawyers are doing for clients. Do we have some concept of an overall strategy and planning for the client? So if you think about what you just described, four roles, right? The doers, the specialist, influencer, and the project manager. What is lacking from those four roles is really the leader, which is the strategist. The strategist is the one that's sitting down with a client and understand the objectives, the fees, and what the client wants to be in the marketplace. And at the end of the day, what are the legal strategies we should put in? Now, litigators are very familiar with being a, have a legal strategy. Um, transactional lawyers, they don't talk that way. They actually don't think that way. So they, so they don't really think about having legal strategy for a transaction. A good one would think about it subconsciously. Um, but actually, as a client, you should ask, you know, what's the legal strategy of these? Everything, on everything. What is the legal strategy of achieve what I want to achieve? 
you make your lawyers actually start thinking about, oh, I have to provide legal strategy because the legal strategy is to put the plan together before, before all this different other roles involved. The strategist is the one that actually those are the one that is worth to pay a thousand, two thousand dollars sometimes because they have seen so much, have so much experience and they can plan things out for you very quickly and help you to achieve um, your objectives. The strategists also have a lot of experiences in terms of business side because to strategize with you, they got to not only understand the legal um, knowledge and the legal process, they got to understand the business side. So a lot of strategists, if you are, like say you are a hotel operator, a hotel management company, you want to find a strategist, maybe most of their lives they have been representing the management company or developers in the hotel industry. Um, they can come up with a strategy for you to prevent a lot of pitfalls in the f- in the future. I've also, Genev, had experience where I'm dealing with one of my corporate clients and they ask me, you know, could you draft an employment agreement? And I'm working on an employment agreement because they have a key employee they want to bring in. And one of the first things that we almost always talk about is a covenant not to compete or something like that, that type of language they want in there. And so often in terms of a strategy, you want to make sure that as a company, you have an idea of what's our policy with respect to non-competes? How are we going to do this? And what's important for our business? And when I, when I talk to the client about that, I'm also often talking to one of our litigators or somebody that we work with who, who negotiates and litigates non-competes to make sure the language we're putting up there is going to meet with the client's objective and is going to be enforceable. So that's the kind of strategizing that goes on on a day-to-day, even just on a small item or big item within a company's you know, overall strategic goals. And the other thing is that once you have the strategy in place by the strategist, right, um, in the future when you are need the doers to do a document, bringing the specialist to give you advice, then you can articulate to them in this area, here's our strategy. Here's who we want to be perceived in the marketplace. Here's what our objective is overall. And it helps the specialists, it helps influencers, it helps the, uh, the doers to make certain decisions in the drafting, in representing you, in giving you the advice. Um, there's a lot of things in drafting a document. It could be a 100-page document. There is no way the doer or the specialist can sit down with you to go through line by line. You don't want to do that either. So they have to make certain decisions for you while they're drafting. How do they make the right decision for you is if they know what your strategy is, what your plan is. So, you know, those are the kind of intricacy things in the legal world that a lot of things, you know, that's what Phyllis was saying is not just pull out a form, fill out a few blanks, and here you go. I mean, their attorneys definitely do that, but it is up to you as a client to ask those questions to make sure their attorneys have the right information. At Cedura, what we do is like we understand the clients, we ask the clients those questions. Do you have a strategist? What is your strategy on this? And then we make sure we communicate to the to the doers when they would pull in them to do things. We make sure the quality of work, you know, is appropriate for this client for this matter. So 
you know, those are just a few minutes of describing to you what lawyers do at different roles. And you, it, it, it's very, very complicated and it's invisible for you. A lot of it is analyzing, thinking, you know, closing the door, doing all this stuff. Um, but for you, is it's important for you to understand it and to ask those right questions. We'll have a separate podcast about how to communicate and give instructions and get feedbacks from your attorneys. But in order for you to do that, you need to start thinking about in the framework of a legal world, have different roles. The only thing I would add to that, Genev, is while you're thinking about the different roles, to start getting comfortable as a client, that this is the lawyer-client relationship is a collaborative relationship. It's not one of, oh, I'm just going to hand everything off to my lawyer. I want to understand what the role of my lawyer is and go through what we've just talked about. But I also know I'm going to have to be an active participant in this process as well, because that way the client is going to get the best value out of their legal services. And that's what our job is to help you do that. So next week, same topic. Again, we'll look at it from the lawyer's perspective to talk about why clients don't know what lawyers do. And we'll explore that um, from the lawyer's perspective in terms of how to do a better job to communicate with the clients and also to look at from the lawyer's perspective yourself, you know, what is that you do and analyzing, organize yourself. So see you next week. Thanks, Genev. Thank you for listening to Sujura Decoding Law today. Next week, we will be discussing this topic from lawyers' perspective. You're welcome to join us even if you're not lawyers. At Sijura, we are reimagining legal services with innovative technology and processes. Visit us at sijuragroup.com. If you know anyone that wants to know how to use legal services to their advantage, please forward our podcast to them. See you next time.